chapter nine of pioneers of the old south by mary johnston this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nine maryland there now enters upon the scene in virginia a man of middle age not without experience in planting colonies by name george calvert first lord baltimore of flemish ancestry born in yorkshire scholar at oxford traveller clerk of the privy council a secretary of state under james member of the house of commons member of the virginia company he knew many of the ramifications of life a man of worth and weight he was placed by temperament and education upon the side of the court party and the crown in the growing contest over rights about the year sixteen twenty five under what influence is not known he had openly professed the roman catholic faith and that took courage in the seventeenth century in england some years before calvert had obtained from the crown a grant of a part of newfoundland had named it avalon and had built great hopes upon its settlement but the northern winter had worked against him he knew for he had resided there himself with his family in that harsh clime from the middle of october to the middle of may there is a sad fair of winter on all this land he is writing to king charles and he goes on to say i have had strong temptations to leave all proceedings in plantations but my inclination carrying me naturally to these kind of works i am determined to commit this place to fishermen that are able to encounter storms and hard weather and to remove myself with some forty persons to your majesty's dominion of virginia where if your majesty will please to grant me a precinct of land i shall endeavour to the utmost of my power to deserve it with his immediate following he thereupon does sail far southward in october sixteen twenty nine he comes in between the capes past point comfort and so up to jamestown to the embarrassment of that capital as will soon be evident here in church of england virginia was a popish recusant here was an old court party man one of james's commissioners a person of rank and prestige known for all his recusancy to be in favour with the present king here was the proprietary of avalon guest to be dissatisfied with his chilly holding on the scent perhaps of balmier easier things the assembly was in session when lord baltimore came to jamestown all arrivers in virginia must take the oath of supremacy the assembly proposed this to the visitor who as roman catholic could not take it and said as much but offered his own declaration of friendliness to the powers that were this was declined debate followed ending with a request from the assembly that the visitor depart from virginia some harshnesses of speech ensued but hospitality and the amenities fairly saved the situation one thomas tyndall was pilloried for giving my lord baltimore the lie and threatening to knock him down baltimore thereupon set sail 
but not perhaps until he had gained that knowledge of conditions which he desired in england he found the king willing to make him a large grant with no less powers than had clothed him in avalon territory should be taken from the old virginia it must be of unsettled land indians of course not counting baltimore first thought of the stretch south of the river james between virginia and spanish florida a fair land of woods and streams of good harbors and summer weather but suddenly william claiborne was found to be in london sent there by the virginians with representations in his pocket virginia was already settled and had the intention herself of expanding to the south baltimore the king and the privy council weighed the matter westward the blue mountains closed the prospect was the south sea just beyond their sunset slopes or was it much farther away over unknown lands than the first adventurers had guessed either way too rugged hardship marked the west east rolled the ocean north then it were well to step in before those hollanders about the mouth of the hudson should cast nets to the south baltimore accordingly asked for a grant north of the potomac he received a huge territory stretching over what is now maryland delaware and a part of pennsylvania the potomac from source to mouth with a line across chesapeake and the eastern shore to the ocean formed his southern frontier his northern was the fortieth parallel from the ocean across country to the due point above the springs of the potomac over this great expanse he became true and absolute lord and proprietary holding fealty to england but otherwise at liberty to rule in his own domain with every power of feudal duke or prince the king had his allegiance likewise a fifth part of gold or silver found within his lands all persons going to dwell in his palatinate were to have rights and liberties of englishmen but this aside he was lord paramount the new country received the name terra marii maryland for henrietta maria then queen of england here was a new land and a lord proprietor with kingly powers virginians seated on the james promptly petitioned king charles not to do them wrong by so dividing their portion of the earth but king and privy council answered only that virginia and maryland must assist each other on all occasions as becometh fellow-subjects william claiborne indeed continued with a determined voice to cry out that lands given to baltimore were not as had been claimed unsettled seeing that he himself had under patent a town on kent island and another at the mouth of the susquehanna baltimore was a reflective man a dreamer in the good sense of the term and religiously minded at the height of seeming good fortune he could write all things my lord in this world pass away they are but lent us till god please to call for them back again that we may not esteem anything our own or set our hearts upon anything but him alone who only remains for ever like his king baltimore could carry far 
his prerogative and privilege maintaining the while not a few degrees of inner freedom like all men here he was bound and here he was free baltimore's desire was for enlarging his majesty's empire and at the same time to provide in maryland a refuge for his fellow-catholics these were now in england so disabled and limited that their status might fairly be called that of a persecuted people the mounting puritanism promised no improvement the king himself had no fierce antagonism to the old religion but it was beginning to be seen that charles and charles's realm were two different things a haven should be provided before the storm blackened further baltimore thus saw put into his hands a high and holy opportunity and made no doubt that it was god-given his charter indeed seemed to contemplate an established church for it gave to baltimore the patronage of all churches and chapels which were to be consecrated according to the ecclesiastical laws of our kingdom of england nevertheless no interpretation of the charter was to be made prejudicial to god's holy and true christian religion what was christian and what was prejudicial was fortunately for him left undefined no obstacles were placed before a catholic emigration baltimore had this idea and perhaps a still wider one a land mary's land where all christians might foregather brothers and sisters in one home religious tolerance practical separation of church and state that was a broad idea for his age a generous idea for a roman catholic of a time not so far removed from the mediaeval true wherever he went and whatever might be his own thought and feeling he would still have for overlord a protestant sovereign and the words of his charter forbade him to make laws repugnant to the laws of england but maryland was distant and wise management might do much catholics anglicans puritans dissidents and nonconformists of almost any physiognomy might come and be at home unpunished for variations in belief only the personal friendship of england's king and the tact and suave sagacity of the proprietary himself could have procured the signing of this charter since it was known as it was to all who cared to busy themselves with the matter that here was a catholic meaning to take other catholics together with other scarcely less abominable sectaries out of the reach of recusancy acts and religious pains and penalties to set them free in england in america and raising there a state on the novel basis of free religion perhaps to convert the heathen to all manner of errors and embark on mischiefs far too large for definition taking things as they were in the world remembering acts of the catholic church in the not distant past the ill-disposed might find some colour for the agitation which presently did arise baltimore was known to be in correspondence with english jesuits and it soon appeared that jesuit priests were to accompany the first colonists at that time the society of jesus loomed large both politically and educationally many may have thought that there threatened a rome in america 
but however that may have been there was small chance for any successful opposition to the charter since parliament had been dissolved by the king not to be summoned again for eleven years the privy council was subservient and as the sovereign was his friend baltimore saw the signing of the charter assured and began to gather together his first colonists then somewhat suddenly in april sixteen thirty two he sickened and died at the age of fifty-three his son cecil calvert second lord baltimore took up his father's work this young man likewise able and sagacious and at every step in his father's confidence could and did proceed even in detail according to what had been planned all his father's rights had descended to him in maryland he was proprietary with as ample power as ever a count palatine had enjoyed he took up the advantage and the burden the father's idea had been to go with his colonists to maryland and this it seems that the son also meant to do but now in london there deepened a clamour against such catholic enterprise once he were away lips would be at the king's ear and with england so restless in a turmoil of new thought it might even arise that king and privy council would find trouble in acting after their will good though that might be the second baltimore therefore remained in england to safeguard his charter and his interests the family of baltimore was an able one cecil calvert had two brothers leonard and george and these would go to maryland in his place leonard he made governor and lieutenant-general and appointed him counsellor ships were made ready the ark of three hundred tons and the dove of fifty the colonists went aboard at gravesend where these ships rode at anchor of the company a great number were protestants willing to take land if their condition were bettered so with catholics difficulties of many kinds kept them all long at the mouth of the thames but at last late in november sixteen thirty three the ark and the dove set sail touching at the isle of wight they took aboard two jesuit priests father wight and father altham and a number of other colonists baltimore reported that the expedition consisted of two of my brothers with very near twenty other gentlemen of very good fashion and three hundred labouring men well provided in all things these ships with the first marylanders went by the old west indies sea route we find them resting at barbados then they swung to the north and in february sixteen thirty four came to point comfort in virginia here they took supplies being treated by sir john harvey who had received a letter from the king with courtesy and humanity without long tarrying for they were sick now for land of their own they sailed on up the great bay the chesapeake soon they reached the mouth of the potomac a river much greater than any of them save shipmasters and mariners had ever seen and into this turned the ark and the dove after a few leagues of sailing up the wide stream they came upon an islet covered with trees leafless for spring had hardly broken the ships dropped anchor the boats were lowered the people went ashore 
here the calverts claim maryland for our saviour and for our sovereign lord the king of england and here they heard mass st clement's they call the island but it was too small for home the ark was left at anchor while leonard calvert went exploring with the dove up the potomac some distance he went but at the last he wisely determined to choose for their first town a site nearer the sea the dove turned and came back to the ark and both sailed on down the stream from st clement's isle before long they came to the mouth of a tributary stream flowing in from the north the dove going forth again entered this river which presently the party named the river st george soon they came to a high bank with trees tinged with the foliage of advancing spring here upon this bank the english found an indian village and a small algonquin group in the course of extinction by their formidable iroquois neighbors the giant susquehannocks the white men landed bearing a store of hatchets jujaws and colored cloth the first lord baltimore having had opportunity enough for observing savages had probably handed on to his sagacious sons his conclusions as to ways of dealing with the natives of the forest and the undeniable logic of events was at last teaching the english how to colonize englishmen on roanoke island englishmen on the banks of the james englishmen in that first new england colony had borne the weight of early inexperience and all the catalogue of woes that follow ignorance all these early colonists alike had been quickly entangled in strife with the people whom they found in the land first they fell on their knees and then on the aborigines but by now much water had passed the mill the thinking kind the wiser sort might perceive more things than one and among these the fact that savages had a sense of justice and would even fight against injustice real or fancied the calverts through their interpreter conferred with the inhabitants of this indian village would they sell lands where the white men might peaceably settle under their given word to deal in friendly wise with the red men many hatchets and axes and much cloth would be given in return to a sylvan people store of hatchets and axes had a value beyond many fields of the boundless earth the dove appeared before them too at the psychological moment they had just discussed removing bag and baggage from the proximity of the iroquois in the end these indians sold to the english their village huts their cleared and planted fields and miles of surrounding forest moreover they stayed long enough in friendship with the newcomers to teach them many things of value then they departed leaving with the english a clear title to as much land as they could handle at least for some time to come later with other indians as with these the calverts pursued a conciliatory policy they were aided by the fact that the susquehannocks to the north who might have given trouble were involved in war with yet more northerly tribes and could pay scant attention to the incoming white men but even so the calverts proved as william penn proved later that men may live at peace with men honestly and honorably even though hue of skin and plane of development differ 
now the ark joins the dove in the river st george the pieces of ordnance are fired the colonists disembark and on the twenty seventh of march sixteen thirty four the indian village now english becomes st mary's on the whole how advantageously are they placed there is peace with the indians huts lodges are already built fields already cleared or planted the site is high and healthful they have at first few dissensions among themselves nor are they entirely alone or isolated in the new world there is a new england to the north of them and a virginia to the south from the one they get in the autumn salted fish from the other store of swine and cattle famine and pestilence are far from them they build a fort and perhaps a stockade but there are none of the stealthy deaths given by arrow and tomahawk in the north nor are there any of the spanish alarms that terrified the south from the first they have with them women and children they know that their settlement is home soon other ships and colonists follow the ark and the dove to st mary's and the history of this middle colony is well begun in virginia meantime there was jealousy enough of the new colony taking as it did territory held to be virginian and renaming it not for the old independent protestant virgin queen but for a french catholic queen consort even settling it with believers in the mass and bringing in jesuits it was says a jamestown settler accounted a crime almost as heinous as treason to favor nay to speak well of that colony beside the virginian folk as a whole one man in particular william claiborne nursed an individual grievance he had it from governor calvert that he might dwell on in kent island trading from there but only under license from the lord proprietor and as an inhabitant of maryland not of virginia claiborne with the assembly at jamestown secretly on his side resisted this interference with his rights and as he continued to trade with a high hand he soon fell under suspicion of stirring up the indians against the marylanders at the time this quarrel rang loud through maryland and virginia and even echoed across the atlantic leonard calvert had a trading boat of claiborne's seized in the patuxent river thereupon claiborne's men with the shallop cockatrice in retaliation attacked maryland pinnaces and lost both their lives and their boat for several years maryland and kent island continued intermittently to make petty war on each other at last in sixteen thirty eight calvert took the island by main force and hanged for piracy a captain of claiborne's the maryland assembly brought the traitor under a bill of attainder and a little later in england the lord's commissioners of foreign plantations formally awarded kent island to the lord proprietor thus defeated claiborne nursing his wrath moved down the bay to virginia End of chapter nine